Welcome to Landing Bay 04, where we talk about aviation, board games, and anything geek-related. Well, it's been a while, and I've uh, been... For whatever reason, uh, watching some people play, you know, RPG games all by themselves, a solitaire tabletop RPGs. And I've tried it many a times. You know, I've uh, even, I think of the first episode, talked about how to run a solo RPG campaign, kind of using the um, Star Wars Edge of the Empire core rulebook. But... You know, it's really hard for me to kind of get back into that and and just play because the the trouble is there's a lot of rule sets involved and things that I have to remember and just core key NPCs and things to try and keep track of and it just became a bit much so I didn't really play it that often so I couldn't really even report back as to, you know, what's happened. So uh, about, I don't know, a week or two ago, I stumbled upon uh, a simple rule set, just out of nowhere. Uh, it was, uh, or it's called Micro Sci-Fi RPG, and it's uh, created by uh, Noah Patterson. And you can find this on like Amazon or something, the or uh, Drive Through RPG to order a copy. But he's got uh, several different kinds of simple rule set, rule sets for. Like a, a fantasy setting, sci-fi setting, cyberpunk setting. Uh, there's like a post-apocalyptic setting. There's a couple other things that you can you can find. But uh, after looking into it and seeing a few people on YouTube kind of play through it, it's actually a nice system. Uh, it's very very simple, uh, so it's perfect for me because I don't have that much time to delve into more complicated rule sets. So this one for me has been fantastic. I know of set a couple of different rule sets but this one really kind of just keeps it super 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 simple uh, so micro sci-fi RPG is the one I'm going to be focusing on the most but uh, there's a couple of other rule books that that he has that supplements the main one but uh, I'll just talk about the micro sci-fi RPG first so at its core it is a dungeon crawler uh, and it's I would say procedurally generated because you go on uh, quite a few tables to roll what kind of enemies you're going to find and then you roll what kind of structure is it is it you know a cave is it an abandoned complex is it a bug nest and then from there uh, you roll on tables as to what rooms you will encounter so typically they'll ask to or the book asks to have like a grid paper some grid paper to kind of draw um, the squares because you will roll for how many squares it is using a d20 so like you roll a d20 you get 14 you draw out uh, 14 squares and then that becomes the room and then you roll what kind of room it is so let's say it's uh, an abandoned ship or like a derelict ship and you roll 14 draw 14 squares and then you roll and turns out it is like the engine room and then it has a little blurb on the side to give you a modifier for, for that room. Like, for instance, uh, the abandoned complex. 
uh, you find an office. Uh, and the blurb is that you can make a wisdom check to see if you can uh, see what's on the writing of a file or something that's left on a computer or something like that. And if you pass, you gain willpower. So something super simple, super short. Uh, and then with each room that you encounter, uh, you will always encounter enemies. And there's one of six types of, of enemies, but the enemy types, I think there's like four different kinds of enemies that you can run to. And then within the type of enemy, there are like six tiers of, uh, of enemies in there. So like you have marauders, you have insectoids, uh, raging robots, and abominations. So there's, yeah, four types of enemies that you can run to. And within those four types, six increasingly difficult uh, increasingly difficult kinds of enemies within within that section. So then you roll for that. You roll how many they're they're in there, and then it'll tell you the maximum number of enemies that you can encounter, and you go from there. So that's kind of it's so it's a dungeon crawl. So if you don't like dungeon crawlers, you know this one might not be for you. But it keeps everything simple. It keeps uh, combat encounters simple, uh, and it keeps quests really really simple. Now, when it comes to your character, again, super simple. There are four different uh, proficiencies or four different kinds of skill or proficiencies, excuse me. There's proficiencies and skills uh, for your stats. So uh, there are four proficiencies. It's strength, dexterity, wits, and charisma. And they all do uh, different things you'll be called on to roll a check for those four different things and within those there's a few skills that kind of boost those stats and that's actually the only way to increase your your stats is uh, to buy skill with experience points and then within those you have uh, two main stats that you want to keep track of or actually three uh, which is your health again you reach zero that means you're dead uh, your will and will is a representation of your character's mental fortitude to continue on and then uh, you get damage bonuses as you level up uh, and that's about it and then there's also a place to keep track of your credits so you'll after you clear each dungeon room uh, you'll roll a d6 and if it's you know one to five you get that many amount of credits in that room after basically looking around and looting for stuff and if you roll a six then you can roll on the item table but yeah those are the the main skills for your character that's really it and when you roll to check for those skills it is uh you got to roll underneath that skill so let's say you know your strength is three and you're doing a strength check where you got to roll three or less and you pass anything above that you fail okay see really 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 easy to get into not too much to keep track of uh, now for the micro RPG, the basic edition rulebook that I'm referring to, uh, you have you know six different kinds of melee weapons and ranged weapons, uh, and six different kinds of armor that you can help to survive your dungeon dives, and then also uh, when it becomes necessary, you'll need uh, spacesuits, and then there's six different kinds of spacesuits to explore dangerous or uh, dungeons that don't have an atmosphere and then for items there are 10 different items and it really 
keeps it super streamlined what it does. You know, for instance, there's a granola bar that helps you gain some health, a can of beer to help regain your will. Um, what they call O2C, which is kind of like your oxygen for your spacesuit. You have several different kinds of cartridges to refill it. As you continue to explore, you use oxygen and it's kind of like a timer. And if you run out, then you're in trouble. But you have those kind of recharge modules. Uh, and then you have the more expensive medical stuff to in increase your health and your willpower again, but using, uh, instead of like the granola bar and a can of beer, it's a D3, which is you roll a D6, divide it by half, round it up. Uh, but if you get the stem spray or the stem kits or the bio sprays, then you can roll a D6, and then that will restore your D6 worth of health and will. And then even above that, you have a recovery spray and adrenaline stem spray that'll fully heal your health and will. Or uh, you can roll a D20 for the adrenaline stem spray. You know, if you reach zero health, you can immediately use it and recover up to D20 of your health. So, uh, again, not a lot in there. Really, really simple. And then leveling up, uh, all you do is, as you fight monsters or as you fight marauders or pirates, uh, each one that you defeat is equal one experience point. Really easy. So if you go into a room, you face six marauders, six experience points if you survive the encounter and you move on. Once you get up to 100, then you can spend 100 experience points on a skill, and then that skill will increase one of your main core stats, that strength, wits, dexterity, uh, and charisma. Now, how is combat done? Well, uh, after you enter a room, you go through three simple steps, real easy. Uh, you make a bravery check, so every enemy that you come across, it's intimidating. As an adventurer, it's intimidating. So when you see something, then you roll a bravery check, and that's based on your charisma. If you fail that, then each specific enemy type has uh, a roll of how many points of will that you will lose. And then you move on to a ranged attack if you have a ranged weapon, and that has a specific rule that the room has to be at least six squares. You have to roll at least six squares or larger to make a ranged attack, otherwise you have to go into melee, and even after you make a ranged attack, you have to now go into a melee attack, which then you roll strength. Ranged, it's dexterity, and then uh, for the melee, it's strength. So if you pass one, great, then you roll for damage based on whatever weapon that you have, that you start out with. In the beginning, you roll for credits, and then you can buy what's on the item list, whatever you want, within you know the credit limit that you've got, your budget. Anyway, uh, so you make your ranged attack if you can, roll to see how much damage you cause, mark it, and then you go into a melee attack, roll for that. If you pass your strength, then you can uh, use, you know, if you have a melee weapon, you roll the damage on that and continue on. If you don't have anything, then it's just an automatic, you know, one damage to that enemy. And then you just repeat. You go through those three steps. Make a bravery check, make a ranged check, make a melee check move on. Now if you pass the ranged or melee, basically the enemy then cannot attack you and it's a one by one kind of thing. So if, even if you're up against six, you only roll for one enemy if they deal damage. You don't roll for six enemies, they all deal damage to you. It's just one, you just keep it to one. 
And uh, at any time, if you want to, you can even run away from the fight, which uh, is a dexterity thing. And then also, I didn't talk about the classes. There are a few different classes that you can select from in the main rule book it's only four i think in the deluxe i think it's the same thing there's only four different classes but then if you get uh what is it some because i bought all of them wasn't that expensive madame mimble star codex that one gives you a lot of different options but um the four classes the four main classes are soldier pilot technician and navigator and it just makes you proficient in one of the four core skills or core proficiencies i don't know i don't know what you want to call it one of the core proficiencies and if you make a check with the core proficiency you basically roll twice and take the lower value then also a one is a always fail which one is always fail. one is a always succeed that's kind of like your crit hit and then a six is always going to be a a failure a critical failure uh, even with modifiers so some uh, enemies in the core rulebook, there's like a difficulty modifier, which adds or subtracts to your roll, which kind of helps you. So let's say, you know, you're facing an enemy, they have a, a minus one uh, difficulty modifier. So you roll a four, and then minus one goes down to three, and then voila, that's your proficiency number that you're trying to roll for slash under, and you succeed. And then the opposite is true. The more difficult the enemies get, they'll have a difficulty roll modifier. That's like plus one or two. And it makes it harder for you to cause a hit or pass a skill check. Uh, it, it sounds complicated, but it's, it's not really. You just r roll through those same three steps, move on. And then after you clear a room, you loot it, move on to the next room until you beat the boss. Now, to get the boss, you have to either encounter every single type of enemy or uh, defeat enough enemies to allow the boss to come out. So, you will, like, after each encounter, you will be asked to roll 2d6, one with the 10 spot, the other one with the 1 spot, and if it rolls underneath the amount of enemies that you've defeated, the boss shows up. Right? Uh, so, if you defeat 20 enemies and you roll a 16 with two d6s and the boss shows up it's the final encounter you beat the boss congratulations you've completed that dungeon now i know it sounds like that's all it is but there's actually more in the basic edition rulebook so after you complete your first dungeon if you survive because uh, it's really really difficult really 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 difficult but once you complete the first dungeon you can then go to your settlement which is your base and there's a whole section on how to build your settlement and it makes it really easy uh, to have your main building types the people that run them their personality uh, and then also within your settlement it has a different level like is it a native settlement where it doesn't have a lot of amenities or is it like a colony where it's just started started and it's just getting up and running and you may not have all the amenities but you may have some and it goes all the way up to like a metropolis where you have everything bells and whistles and all but within each level of settlement whether it's uh, a colony 
or metropolis uh, you will also roll to see what kind of buildings you get so like even with the main main stuff like a commissary for food or the med center you'll roll and it gives you a level of one two or three and then that will tell you what you can get from it so let's say for instance um we have a colonist commissary and for a d3 which again is just roll a d6 divide by half round up so roll a commissary and then you roll a one and it gives you a small description for a colonist commissary uh you know has fold-out tables and chairs inside it's got a metal uh metal table it's a quick pop-up white cube kind of thing and the services that you can get for that level one commissary colonist commissary you can you know buy a beer or a granola bar to go or you could get some exotic meat exotic alien meat cooked at steak for two credits and that requires you to make a strength check to see if uh, you can stomach the food and then if you can then you gain some health back if you fail then you lose a little bit of health and then uh, so that's that's how it's set up and as you go on quests as you go on these dungeon dives and get credits you can either spend them on yourself or invest in the community and level up those I think it's four or five different kinds of buildings you can level them up and once you level each building up to its max then you can upgrade it from like a colonist, colonist uh, settlement to like a terraformer's colony or settlement. So it's really cool. So uh, along with that, it has a tables to come up with names for each building, a table to come up with, again, names and personalities for the NPCs that run them. And that's that's about it. And then within each building, main building in the settlement, it'll have encounters that you can get yourself into. So you like a roll a d8 or d6 for one building that, let's say, the hostel or like the hotel, the inn, the tavern. You could roll an encounter. I think, let's see, this is a d6 roll. So let's say you roll a five and the encounter is the infected host. You know, the, the host has been infected by something and... Uh, now they are under mind control and they start going on a rampage and you can resolve that encounter and see the consequence of failure or succeeding now you would think uh things would stop there but things go on because you can get your own ship when you can afford it and when you get your own ship then you can go to different planets and you could on different planets see if it's a habitable one or or not but you can still do uh, some quests out that way and, and other planets in your star system uh, you could hire crew to help you I mean goodness you could hire crew to help you uh, on your home planet to to do some stuff and then there's even a planet generator that's really really quick and easy to follow not too complicated uh, and even with uh, quests in the colony hall section or the assignment table you can roll there uh, it's a D4, and it'll give you like a little quest to complete. And I think that's that. Now, now that's it. That's it. And even in space, you can have space combat with other ships. You can come across a derelict ship in space if you want to inspect it or not. Uh, get some nice loot there. 
uh, and even uh, some of these plans you can even use other rule books that Noah Peterson has. So you might be able to land on a planet that's got like a fantasy setting and you could use the fantasy book to generate stuff from there. But that's all in this basic edition rulebook of micro sci-fi RPG. It's really, really neat, really cool. Um, so I, I highly recommend it, especially if you don't have a lot of time on your hands. You can just bust that out. doesn't take up a lot of table space. You can have some fun. And then I had also referenced this Madame Mimble's Star Codex. Uh, this is a small book, small supplement, but if you don't want to play as a human the entire time, uh, Mimble's got you, got you covered. Uh, you can have so many different kind of alien races that you can play as, or even other human-like races that you can play as that have their own stat bonuses. Huge, huge, huge selection. And then also you can have new character classes. So instead of just the main four, there's now like 30 of them that you can select from. And it's just the title, really, because the proficiency, it only gives you the same four proficiency stat bonuses. You know, strength, dexterity, wits, and charisma. That's it. But you can have other titles tied to it. So instead of being a soldier for strength, you could be a weapons specialist or space marine or a security officer, stuff like that. Uh, or you can make up your own, like I did. But it gives you way, way more stuff to, to play with, like infiltrator slash spy, you know, it's a charisma boost. Uh, if, that's, if that's your jam, you could have so many different other uh, selections of, of classes. Then the next one is uh, weapons. So if you don't like the six ranged weapons, the main six melee weapons, Mimble has you covered there. Uh, same thing with uh, uh, the weapons, the ranged and melee weapons. Uh, gives you like 30-ish. I'm just throwing out some wild guesstimations there, but there's a lot. But yeah, around 30. Uh, you know, 15 more melee weapons, 15 more uh, ranged weapons that you can that you can use, and then they also have uh, some elemental effects that go with it. So that's really really neat. And then also for armor, again, armor uh, gives you a little bit more than just the main six. So you can have more options there with their own prices attached to it. And then Mimbles also adds some accessories that you can purchase. So these things are like a ring to give you, let's see, this one is willpower, willpower bonuses. So you could have an expensive ring to boost your willpower. I mean, you could, in your imagination, figure out why that would be the case. Why would that give you more mental fortitude to continue on? Maybe it just gives you confidence because you have money. I don't know. And then also you have bio enhancements, which increase your health. Uh, so that costs quite a bit of money as well. But anything from a steel chest implant to give you, you know, 25 more health. You could have piston fists that give you plus one damage to your uh, melee uh, on top of whatever you roll. And then there's, I think there's one other thing. There's, uh, no, that's it. That's it. Just things to increase your will and then things to increase uh, damage, boost, strength boost. 
your proficiency boosts, health and willpower boosts. So that's what Mimbles gives you. So that's really neat if you want more options out of micro sci-fi RPG. Now those are the two main ones that you that I would recommend. Uh, again, I think it's only like maybe twelve to fifteen dollars for both. And if you want to go farther, there's the micro chat book sci-fi RPG, the deluxe the deluxe core rulebook. And in there, uh, you don't quite need the basic rulebook because the deluxe rulebook takes the basic rulebook and condenses it down so so much and has a better layout because before you get into each room you roll for a door type and what the effect is and the door type is well 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 before you get to the room so you flip over to the door roll for the door flip 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 to the to the room and then you go into the room whereas the deluxe rulebook is very straightforward you have the doorways along with the room types it's Real, real easy. The only thing that's different between the deluxe one and the basic rulebook is that the deluxe doesn't give you any flavor text at all. It's just, you know, corridor, and then it's an empty corridor, no effect. Or for for a hostage ship, when you have a med bay, make a will check uh, to gain one d6 health. Whereas the basic rulebook will say, you know, it's a med bay. It describes what the med bay is kind of gives you flavor text for why you're doing the check and also gives flavor text as to what happens if you pass or fail the check. And uh, yeah, the deluxe one, it just really condenses it down. So if you really don't like the flavor text and just want to get to it, uh, the deluxe version is the way to go. But also the deluxe version has uh, more locations to explore in terms of what kind of dunge dungeons you can, uh, you can go into. The basic rule book gives you four uh, the deluxe one gives you six. It's the same with hostile types. The, the main rulebook only gives four, whereas the deluxe one gives six different kind of hostiles that you can run into. But even with uh, the hostiles in the deluxe one, uh, there are no difficulty die mo modifiers for encountering each one. So that, that's a little bit that's a little bit different. Um, I think that's it. Cause I think even the items is pretty pretty basic. There's not a lot going on. Alright, but that's it. That's the deluxe book. So if that's what your jam is, you know, you can you can grab that one, but you don't you don't need the 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 basic rule book in order to play the deluxe one. And vice versa, you don't need the deluxe to play the, the core. So with all that being said, you may be already thinking, well there's an obvious con to this when you want to play a tabletop rpg not only does combat come involved in leveling up and getting new items selling stuff the other thing is the narrative story and social encounters which this one doesn't really cover i mean the deluxe core rulebook it is straight dungeon crawl it doesn't even have stuff for your settlements at all that's completely gone space travel is gone planets and planet types that's gone so uh, the deluxe again it just really condenses but also if you want to use it with the basic rule book you can add more enemy types or add more location types to dungeon dive into 
So that's, uh, so you can, you know, mix the two. But again, uh, a lot of people, or some, some people want to play it with social encounters in mind, and it doesn't really give that. So how can you overcome that portion if you just don't want to continue to roll, see if you pass or fail, uh, deal damage, take damage, go to the next room, rinse and repeat. You know, you may just find yourself, well, I don't find that particularly exciting to continue to roll dice and give damage, take damage, get, you know, have stat effects to, to my will. You know, I, what if that's not, not your jam? Well, uh, there are also supplements that you can use to fully flesh out the game and still keep it simple enough. Like for me, I the things that I use along with the micro sci-fi RPG to kind of add that narrative element into the game. I've got uh, the Game Master's Apprentice by, uh, let me see, what is this called? Um, by Larsonist Designs, game, the Game Master's Apprentice. And I have the sci-fi deck. They have a fantasy deck, but I've got the, the sci-fi one instead. So what is the Game Master's Apprentice? It's a deck of like 50-something cards, 60 cards. And they're double-sided, so it actually turns out to be like 120 cards. And on each card, it has quite a few things. First off, it's got uh, what people call like an oracle, like how Mythic does it. If you ask it a question, you roll some dice, and it'll say... If the answer to your question is yes, no, or even give like an extreme no or an extreme yes, the cards do the exact same thing. It has a section with likely odds to ask the oracle. You know, you got bad, even, and good, and you take a card, flip it after you have a question in mind, and it'll say yes, no, or all caps yes with an exclamation point, or all caps no with an exclamation point to give you that extreme yes or no answer. It also has uh, a wheel of different die rolls. So from D4 to D100, you flip a card, you look in the section for whichever one that you're looking for, and it gives you uh, a die roll number. Uh, you also have some elemental symbols that give you an idea of what the scene tone is. Like it'll have wind, water, fire, and earth. And uh, there's like a quick guide to kind of tell you what those kind of mean. Like water means uh, things are happening at a fluid pace or something is calming in the scene calming to your character or calming to somebody else whereas wind kind of represents shifting change uh, elusiveness things like that so to get like an idea of setting up your scene what is it going to be like what's the tone or you can use it in other ways uh, but it also has like a mythic where it will have uh, an act or a verb and a noun to kind of flesh out your question so this one has a verb a noun and an adjective uh all different so you have 120 different cards all with different verbs nouns and, and adjectives so you can uh, draw that and get a noun and adjective like let's say we're in a social encounter with someone at the commissary we want to ask the goings-on and you flip a card one for verb which was or actually it's backwards when it comes to the Game Master's Apprentice. So turn a card, first one is training, and then the next one is enslave. So you can already have a context idea of what they're talking about, what are the goings on uh, in the area, like maybe there's uh, training for gladiators or something. And if you do a third card, you know, to, to flesh it out even more, to get an adjective, uh, and that one could be erratic. 
So training, enslave, and erratic. And based on the context of you want to ask what's going on in the settlement, well, there you go. Really, really easy. Uh, the next one, there's some sensory. There's a sensory section where it's, you know, what you hear, what you see, what you feel, and what you smell. Uh, so you can even flesh out something in that way. Like I go into the main colony hall. What's kind of the feel of the colony hall? So we draw some cards. So first one, you hear wet, choking coughs. What you see, flames in the distance. What you feel, a pulsing inside your chest. And what you smell, a whiff of medical nanogel. So you can already start to imagine what's going on. Perhaps that uh, somebody is feeling sick. Uh, there's, um, I don't know, maybe dim light, and that's why there are flames in the distance uh, to give you a little bit of light, warm light, uh, and the whiff of medical nanogel. Perhaps there's a doctor on site that's kind of administering some aid, uh, and you feel pulsing inside your chest. Perhaps the character is feeling a little bit nervous as to what's going on. Maybe there's a sickness going around the settlement. You can just build it out that way. See, pretty, pretty easy. Uh, along with the sensory descriptions, uh, there are other symbol kind of descriptions, three symbols. It'll have different combinations of many different things, like uh, a representation of like a skull, a target, uh, a tower, crown, uh, a sword, a shield, sun, moon, a heart, um, a wand for like technology, something that involving technology since we're dealing with sci-fi so you have those things uh there's also a section for belongings which you know if you want to kind of get an idea of what kind of npc you're talking to so let's draw a card and see their belongings what what they have on their person uh, so this one is trade goods so it could be rare elements hyperact adaptive crops or bioreactive fabrics so right from there, we can see that this person is probably a merchant passing through town wanting to uh, sell or pitch ideas on one of these things. Or maybe with the trade good examples with the rare elements, the hyper-adaptive props or the bioreactive fabrics, that you could come up with something else uh, that would fit the story. Next section, uh, there is a way to generate plot hooks with it as well. So there's a catalyst and location section. So let's just make one up right now. We'll draw one. The catalyst is quarantined, exclamation point. Next one is location, uh, a popular hangout. So with the things that we were talking about before, listening to the coughing, seeing the dim flame, perhaps the power's out, and a doctor administering aid to someone who's potentially sick. Now we have a catalyst in a location, you know, quarantined at a popular hangout. So now, Maybe things have moved to all the people that are sick are now going to the local tavern or the local commissary and are being quarantined there for to administer aid and also to control the spread of the disease. Super, super easy to do and super quick. You know, that's just on the fly. I'm just drawing these cards as we go. I'm not thinking about this at all. It's just what's the context, uh, what's going on and building from there. Really, really easy. And I don't really have that great uh, sense of uh, imagination either, <laughs> which is why I have these supplements to kind of help help me out. So really, really easy. And then the next section is names. So it gives you uh, a masculine name, a feminine name, and a name that can go either way. Uh, so with each card, let's see, let's draw this one. 
know, names we have Wei, Hotaru, and Bowers. So you can pick one that that fits best. And then again, as for like NPC uh, NPC names. And then uh, if you want to know kind of what the NPC motivations are, some of their traits, there, there's a section for that too, uh, under the vice and virtue. So we will draw two. So we have, you know, way, uh, and we have a virtue of diligence and a vice of pride. So perhaps that's the doctor that's administering aid. So now we have a little bit of a description, or you know what, maybe let's let's do the one, the, uh, the traitor, the traitor. The name, the trader's name is Wei, and diligent and pride, prideful. So you can already kind of understand the personality that they would have once you interact with this trader. You know, they're diligent in their efforts to sell something, or perhaps it's even in their product. They've put a lot of work into it, but their pride might get in the way of having different ideas or even negotiating for a price they may not want to negotiate because they think that their product is the best it uh, is expensive and they're going to stick to the price that they have so it's going to be really hard to negotiate with them see real that's easy 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 gives you all those ideas uh, just from you know that's what eight cards eight cards to kind of build the scene build a plot hook of uh, a quarantine uh, and also building an encounter with a potential NPC. So that's, uh, again, that's the Game Master's Apprentice, and you can find that on the drive-thru RPG. Uh, it is, as of right now, today, uh, March 30th, um, you can get the cards for six bucks, seven bucks, and get that shipped to you. It's, you know, it, it's super, super helpful. I use it all the time for solo rpg but also especially for the micro sci-fi rpg to talk to people use it all the time all the time so that's one supplement that you can use to turn a dungeon crawler into a potential you know narrative side along with it so now you have a reason to go dungeon diving or the reasons what's going on and you can also create an entire campaign with just these cards now it's going to take a while that's probably probably going to be a completely different episode but i will tell you the current game that i'm going through with micro sci-fi rpg let me just get my notes here because uh it's a lot going on and again this was all done by this generation of uh using the cards to generate uh an overall campaign so uh, in the Game Master's Apprentice, they have a PDF, uh, when you get the cards, a PDF that will guide you through how to create an adventure. So I did that. And with the cards that I drew, uh, you know, the core theme or the core overarching campaign is that there is a person that needs to make pay peace with a scandal that they were involved in. So why would that even be an overarching campaign well uh so we have the doom which is what what's the deal like why is that even important uh that uh whoever the people that are involved with the scandal it, they're trying to destroy evidence of the scandal and how are they going to do that uh and why are they going to do that so the effect is if they complete their big goal is that they're going to destroy the popular reputation of uh, a warrior code 
of a knightly order that's been around for centuries and has never had a problem. And now they have this one problem that breaks the warrior code. Now, uh, people are, are that don't like them are going to try to exploit that in their favor and you know, cause chaos, right? So that's the reason why. All right, so now we have the why. Now we're going to figure out how they can do it. So there's three steps to their plan. One is to place a bounty on the player character because they're part of that warrior faction, we'll say. Uh, so that's the first thing. Place a bounty on the on the player character, the PC. The next one is to spread false propaganda on that warrior guild uh, to sow distrust among the star system. And then the last one is they're going to try to create positive solutions to destroy that guild. So kind of framing it in the that the guild is the enemy and uh, the victims are the ones that are in the right. And who knows if it's true? I don't know. Uh, all I know is that there is a potential scandal. I don't, and they're trying to destroy the evidence of the scandal so then they can turn it their way. So I don't know if all that is true or not. We'll just have to continue to play and figure out, you know, what happens if they if the guild is actually in the wrong or not. I, I don't know. Uh, so then we have the main NPCs. You know, again, you just draw cards for the name, their uh, traits, and then you can draw the belongings to kind of figure out what they are, or you can use a different supplement to figure out what the occupation or the main job of that NPC is to kind of build it out. So we have that uh, a miller is the victim of, of the scandal, of the supposed scandal, and that the, the person that's the real big bad is a legislator of some other guild or something like that, where they could have a lot of uh, power to push. Uh, basically push their goals to start placing the bounties on people that are part of the guild uh, to spread false stories uh, and to create uh, a solution to get rid of the guild that seems like it's going to benefit everybody. So a legislator is going to be behind all that. All right, so that's like the overarching story. But then the smaller ones that uh, can be interlinked you know, the the PDF gives a, a, a suggestion to create three other problems that are around this story. So, like, there are problems with the settlement uh, that I've generated with Micro Sci-Fi RPG. Uh, that there is an underground uh, drug ring. And the person that's creating this, this ring is uh, really trying to take over the settlement by... Uh, selling their product to make money, uh, to use uh, the med station as a legal front to distribute their product, and uh, eventually to remove the settlement leader so they can put themselves in position of the settlement. So we have generated the gang boss and their second in command. And then so that's the first problem uh, that they want to run the settlement. Second problem is that the settlement community, they are losing their unity so they don't even trust the settlement leader either and so they're going to try to or some some of the citizens of the settlement are going to try to assist this uh this gang boss to take over the community and that's only being led by one aristocrat that kind of wants you know the settlement leader out of the way so for the, the citizens 
how are they going to try to help the uprising? Are they going to try to change the records of the settlement history to put the gang in, in their favor? Uh, they're going to flaunt the gang as the true power to make change. And then um, they're going to start spreading positive stories about the gang that uh, seems like they're helping the settlement. Now, whether all of this is true or not, who knows? But that's just a problem within the settlement that uh, is happening in in line with uh, the big story that's going on. And then the third problem is that uh, on this planet, there's a native infestation of bugs. And those bugs are intelligent enough to want the invading settlement to go away. So they're going to try to disrupt any attempt for the colonists to expand anything. Uh, they're going to show or... Yeah, they're going to demonstrate that these bugs have a hierarchy and that they're organized to reclaim the planet. And the last thing that they're going to do in their plans is to ensla enslave the colony and destroy the all hope of the settlement of ever basically succeeding on the planet. And the main NPC is the Bug Queen, which could be a person, it could be an alien, or it could literally be a bug queen that kind of has this hive mind <laughs> for the rest of these bugs so not only uh, is the settlement having problems with leadership but also there's native bugs that want them off the planet and if they don't want to get off the planet then they're going to try to enslave the colonists <laughs> to to serve their needs and again that's all underneath this big story of a scandal that uh, one person of the knightly order is trying to figure out if if it's true or not because if it is true and if uh, it, it does come to fruition then uh, the, the star system could get thrown into chaos because now there's no order which is what the legislator wants to just watch everything go crazy and again that's just through the cards uh, now I will say it took me about an hour to kind of get that story built and again it's just drawing cards on you know what's what's the big big thing so like for example um we'll just draw a couple cards so seal a trial seal trial so you already have an idea of what the big overarching theme or the overarching story is if you need some more we'll draw for um uh, an adjective which is hallucinatory so seal hallucinatory trial so something that's probably fake and if you need some extra ideas you can use the icons it's like i've got a crown which is could be royalty or could be someone has power over someone else a sun which maybe part of this is really clear of what the objective is and then there's also a moon icon which you could use for you know a mystery so it could be a, a thriller kind of story that you're trying to figure out who knows only you it's up to you how you want to interpret it and how you want to or what kind of uh, experience that you want so that's that's one thing so if you if you don't want just a straight dungeon crawl you can grab that for you know six seven bucks and expand uh the micro sci-fi rpg into something a little bit more and perhaps on the next episode i can talk about more of NPC interactions, some other supplements to use to flesh out 
something like that. Uh, I had mentioned UNE, the universal NPC emulator. That really helps with conversations, like just running through quick examples of how UNE works. Uh, it's not it's not too hard, and you don't have to write a novel when you're doing solo RPG. It just could be all in the mind, and you just jot down some notes, some quick notes as to what's going on, and move on. Um, but yeah, so UNE, you can you should be able to get that on Drive Through RPG, I think. Yeah, you can. Une, the NPC emulator, and actually that one is uh, a pay what you want. So it could be free if you want, or you could uh, pay a little bit of money to support uh, the author, the creator. But Une is super, super awesome uh, for running all sorts of different uh, social encounters. It's really, really cool. And then you can also use Charisma to uh, change social encounter in your favor or maybe your wits to change a social encounter so all the other kind of classes can start to make sense uh, because if you're just a straight dungeon crawler and you're a bard you know you're not going to survive for very long trying to <laughs> get through a, a sci-fi dungeon if you're a musician right so you could play a musician get high stats and charisma and basically weasel your way through a dungeon without ever having to uh, quote-unquote defeat an enemy. You can entertain them, talk your way through, uh, and then you can you, know, uh, you can get through a dungeon that way. No, it's just all about your imagination. How do you want the game to go? You know, it doesn't have to just be uh, slice and dice or uh, be the gunslinger. It could be your musician or performer and you're trying to get to the boss to, I don't know, do do whatever. It's it's up to you. It's up to you. Play a song for the boss. And if, if they like it, then uh, you can be on the ends with, with them. And then that's another major NPC that you have power over. And then they, you could influence them to do stuff. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but it's just, you know, if, if you have that kind of, well, micro sci-fi RPG is just a dungeon crawler. I'm just rolling dice and taking damage and dealing damage. And, you know, you move on. Or you can have this cup, these two supplements that are super cheap along with it, and you can really flesh out the story if you want more of a narrative kind of RPG thing going on. Now, in terms of uh, supplements, there's so many that you can get into, uh, so many that are useful, but don't go into too many of them. But I will say that the first, first two that I mentioned, the, the Game Master's Apprentice cards is a must, I think. Uh, UNE, the Universal NPC Emulator, that's a must. And look, it's, you could check it out for free and then pay later if you want. But definitely check that out uh, for talking to NPCs. It's really cool. Maybe I'll go through a, a small thing before I end the podcast on how to run a conversation. But uh, another two, I would say, semi-must-haves is uh, the, the Random Table or Random... Let me see, what, what's the title? The Book of Random Tables. Uh, yeah, the Book of Random Tables Science Fiction, there's two parts to it. And this one just has a group of tables that you can roll on for different things. So like Book of Science or the Book of Random Tables Science Fiction, the first one. Uh, let's see, there are names and codes. So like names for space stations, book titles, and codes is just kind of like, um, 
I don't, I don't like a password for stuff. There's 200 examples of that. Uh, encounters, jobs, and rumors. So space encounters, uh, planetary expo- exploration encounters, urban encounters, jobs. Uh, so there's some quest hooks there or quests, potential quests, uh, rumors from the spaceport bar, spaceship and mechanical problems, uh, under items and things, you know, like things that you can find on the desk, names of drinks in a bar, uh, items in a government office, computer files, items in a warehouse, a cargo hold, poisonous plants, infectious diseases. We were just talking about a disease, that kind of story before, so you could look at that one and be like, well, I want to generate the name of the disease or a little description of it. There you go. Uh, metals, alloys, uh, planets and stars. You can have types of stars, types of planets. And within those planets, what kind of civilization is it? Is it uh, Stone Age? Is it super advanced? Is it like the 40s? You know, just think of um, like Stargate, you know, the different kinds of different kind of civilizations that they're going to on the different planets. They're all over the place, right? So it could you could do something like that. Uh, or even illegal drugs, you know, names of science fiction illegal drugs like spice or something. <laughs> and what's really cool is that it even gives you not only the name, but also a, a description. So let's say I roll for that one, you know, for, for my campaign. I don't even know what, you know, the drug is that they're trying to sell. Uh, 56. So if I go to 56, uh, the name is Butterfly. And the use is a shot of yellowish liquid that is ingested. And the effects of it is feelings of ecstasy and excitement, side effects, loss of appetite or increase in appetite, weight changes, cold symptoms like a stuffy nose or sore throat, uh, dry mouth, um, and addiction percentage, zero chance of being addicted at the first use, but 3% uh, chance increasing or cumulative 3% chance being addicted after each use so who knows we could even put that in as the sickness thing that people are being quarantined for that could be um you know little side thing like well could it be the start of this this drug ring starting to take effect now people are starting to have symptoms of being sick and coughing and stuff and part of the symptoms of this drug is well well, I mean, the character doesn't know that, but you know that. Uh, and you could create stories around trying to figure out if it's true or not. So that's uh, like the Book of Science Tales. So that's just the first one. And then part two is a little bit more involved. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. So part two. Uh, part two. Here we go. Uh, this one has uh, laboratory, so lab experiences or items in a biology lab or chemical lab, cargo and trade goods. So there's three different tables, so like 300 different types of cargo that uh, you can generate. Uh, cargo weight, if you're really interested. Uh, fictional trade goods, fictional spices, fictional medications, uh, encounters and adventure ideas, you know, space hazards or asteroid belt encounters, or even ideas for an entire adventure. So if you didn't want to go through the slog that I did to kind of really create something I felt was unique, you could have uh, some adventure ideas there. A cool one is a reason a PC is absent. <laughs> it has a hundred different reasons, literally, uh, why somebody that couldn't make it to the table or even you could even uh, use it for an NPC. You know, why 
isn't an NPC at their job today. So you, you could generate something and that could turn into a whole quest line on its own. Uh, Technobabble, so that's just like uh, things of, you know, problems with the ship or a tool that you need to use or a medical problem. You know, just kind of think of McKay in uh, Stargate Atlantis when he's coming up with a solution. He just has all this babble that he spits out that sounds really smart. Uh, you could find the Technobabble in that spot to kind of generate your own kind of McKay techno battle. Uh, alien names, names of corporations, 300 different names for planets, and 300 different names for a ship. So that's all that's in part two. And again, the book of random tables for science fiction, part one and two, you can find that on the drive through RPG, and those are like six to five bucks a piece. Let me see. My library. It was like one of the first things that that I bought. About a hundred percent tables. Uh, frontier space. There's a book of random tables for fantasies because there's sci-fi and then there's fantasy. A fantasy has, I think, five parts, and it's very similar to what I was just talking about for the sci-fi one. But um, again, it's just fantasy-themed, and there's no five. Okay, so here we are. Book of on this is on Drive Through RPG as well. So the PDF just by itself is three bucks, three bucks a piece. Uh, you can get the physical copy for seven bucks as of right now, seven bucks a piece for parts one and two. Uh, but yeah, that's, so it's not not very expensive, not very expensive at all. I'm actually thinking about on the next paycheck, you know, picking up the physical copies because yeah, I use them all the time. Then there's also a sci-fi facility generator that I haven't used yet, but I'm about to, just because you know if you for the micro sci-fi RPG, there's only six different room types and only four different location types for a dungeon crawl. Whereas the sci-fi facility generator, it's only like $1.25 and it's only a PDF. So there's no physical copy of that one. But uh, this one, it's only like seven, seven to eight pages. And out of the seven to eight pages, there's four pages. Like you can go on the DriveThruRPG and kind of look at the sample file and it gives you just about everything that uh, that, that that's in there uh, so in the facility it'll be like oh, what, what what kind of structure is it is it above ground is it underground is it underwater uh, and then the organization that built the facility there's several different types you can choose one for the one that fits uh, you know the the theme of why you're questing out there and then the facility purpose there's a, a d100 roll on like 20 something 15 something different facility purposes so let's quickly roll no why am i going to this place uh roll is 13. so on a 13 it's for technology development now that's what it was built for and that's what it was used for so what is it used for now because again it's a dungeon people have abandoned it 
You know, why, why did it become dangerous all of a sudden? So let's do that. The current status of the facility. 34. So on a roll of 34, it was damaged by an attack. So you could also start drawing cards to figure out what kind of attack was it. Was it by the local gang? Was it by something else? Was it by the bugs? Did they attack it and then forced to abandon? And as a result, are the bugs now infested in that facility? And is that the enemy type that you're going to be facing? It's an idea. Uh, and then generate a random layout area. So if you're tired of the same six rooms, that's uh, in the micro sci-fi RPG books, because that's all, all it is, six different kinds of rooms. That's all you got. Uh, if you don't like that, you can generate a random layout for a couple of different extra types of uh, rooms that you uh, encounter. And if you're tired of encountering an enemy every single room, well, there's a possible encounters table for other things that uh, that you can find. So let's draw on that. So 80, 88. What are we going on? 88. A mutated animal. So it was a facility purpose was to develop technology. What kind of technology? Don't know. The reason why it was abandoned, or the current status, well, it was damaged by an attack, so now hardly anybody's in there. Uh, and it looks a little decrepit, but then also when you get on the inside, you come across a mutated animal. So it could be that this animal got into this technological experiment, and because of that, now it's mutated. Or maybe it's cause of radiation on the inside, which creates other kind of different uh, dangers while you explore. Again, it's it's an idea. And then the last one is like random facility malfunctions, so uh, extra encounters on that on that end. So those are like some of the supplements that I use. I use quite a few more. Like uh, there are urban encounters uh, for things that are going on in the uh, in the in the settlement. So a lot of those. I think there's a hundred different urban encounters. Uh, travel encounters for a creepy forest or just a forest because the planet that I'm on is a temperate forest. Uh, so I have uh, encounter tables for that. I still use some of the fantasy tables for names of towns or names for people. Uh, there's even one, I think, on uh, the Book of Random Tables number four for the in the fantasy where it will describe what the NPC is. Are they tall? Are they short? Uh, are they overweight or not? Uh, what are they wearing? It'll say, like, oh, they're wearing adventures clothes, or they look like someone from royalty. Uh, so if you want to really flesh out an NPC, what do they look like to imagine it? There you go. Um, that, uh, I've got the weather flowers for each season to kind of give uh, an idea of what the weather is doing uh, during my adventures. Uh, and for, like, travel from getting to point A to point B, I just do one, one encounter maybe like on a a d6 roll you know i have a two and six chance of uh having an encounter and then i roll for the encounter and resolve it uh and then i also just recently picked up one other supplement and that's the dungeon discoveries the sci-fi edition and that is by lore smith and they have three different decks of cards uh, one is story hooks, which gives you different uh, ideas on creating an adventure or perhaps creating a side quest. That's pretty fun. Uh, then there are searches, so things that you find in a room. If you're really, really curious or things that you see in a room. 
And then the last one is locations. So if you don't want to do the facility generator for the location, the Dungeon Discovery locations will give you something like 200 different room types that you can think of. And in addition to that, it'll give you a small description of what's in the room, what you encounter in the room. So for instance, uh, let me just draw a couple cards out of that real quick. All right, so the four different options for the room type is underground clinic, a moving hover car, a waiting room, or a sleep unit. So it could be either in indoors or outdoors. Uh, pick one, whichever one fits the theme the best. And then on the second draw, uh, at the bottom section, there's a couple of descriptions. So it could be stuck in a spi time spiral that takes you randomly back in time. Well, if you don't want to do the whole time travel, you can skip that. Or overrun with wriggling, toxic larvae with throbbing blisters. Real, real descriptive. So it could be... Uh, you're going into that abandoned technology facility and that technology facility may have a you know a, a waiting room right at the entrance so you go into the waiting room and what do you see uh, it's wriggling with toxic larvae and throbbing blisters along with the uh, mutated animal so right there you can already start to imagine what happened in this facility that made it abandoned perhaps a technological experiment gone wrong and now it's filled with toxic radiation and it's affecting the local life uh, and causing some problems. Maybe that's the whole reason why you went there. Maybe uh, that facility lost communication and now the settlement wants to see what's going on because they're waiting on something from them or some other reason. So it's really, really cool. Really cool. Even the story hooks. Uh, again, if the adventure ideas aren't grabbing you or you want to try to generate something else other than those ideas um, the hook generator really really cool it's got four sections of people uh, their objective uh, maybe not their objective but like a, a spark for the objective the objective itself and then the twist so in this case with four card draws we have a spiritual mentor or an animal trader well with the mutated animal we're already kind of figuring out you know what the deal is so we'll say animal trader so the next one is uh, conceals explosives or takes hostages well let's do take hostages because that kind of feels why we're going out there anyway maybe the person that was uh the head scientist at the technological development facility uh, is now taking people hostage uh for their crazy their crazy experiment uh, so takes hostages and then why are they trying to take hostages to regain trust or to start a new life? Well, it could be to regain trust. Now we're starting to figure out the personality. Maybe they just went crazy because the experiment wasn't working. People were losing confidence in the in whatever experiment that he was doing or whatever he was developing, pulling funding. Uh, now people don't want to uh, fund his research anymore so now he's doing this crazy wild thing to regain the trust of the investors or something and then the twist it could be when something dead arises uh like uh perhaps the bugs the the radioactive bugs get into uh, someone who is dead and now the bugs are controlling this person or it could be that um something pops up like 
a death of somebody close to uh, this animal trader that's trying to develop this research. Uh, somebody close to them uh, winds up dead because of it and now might be changing his thoughts. Uh, or an alarm is triggered. So that could also be like uh, you encounter this animal trader, you're trying to talk to him or something. He triggers an alarm and then now all of his animal creations are going to converge on that one spot and you have to fight your way out or talk your way out. So that's the plot hook generator. So you can already kind of kind of see how easy with these supplements. I'm just putting the cards back in there, in their box. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you can already see how quick it was just within 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes. Creating an encounter, creating a reason for the encounter. Uh, you can even somehow tie it in. You always want to tie it into the main story to uh, move the plot forward. But you can see how it is just from that micro sci-fi RPG book, a dungeon, uh, mainly a dungeon crawler, and how you can create this huge world or this star system or your own kind of universe and have you take part in the goings-on of the world regardless if you intervene because as as you play especially with uh the the main story that you generate with the three problems even with those uh things that can happen as you play that you could be like well you know what that could actually go into the advancing of this particular uh, problem and with this particular objective of the problem so like sowing distrust among this knightly order something could happen especially or even in that technological quest maybe that guild uh, that the main character is a part of that guild failed to protect this animal trader and now you can already start to see how that could influence the overarching story right overarching overarching whatever uh, the, the, where you can tie it into the main plot. So you, even a side quest could have major consequences. And that's what you want to do with these solo RPGs. You always want to create this conflict. One versus the other. You versus someone else. You versus the environment. And have that progress the main story that you built. It keeps it interesting and it keeps it fun and you don't really know how it's going to go. Like just generating all that stuff. Those few examples. You know, that, that was really, really fast, and it can maybe it got you engaged or interested in thinking, oh, well, yeah, maybe I could do it too. And again, this is me with hardly any imagination whatsoever. So, good stuff. Good stuff. And again, that's just all from a very simple rule set. You can expand on it. And I think that's even what uh, Noah Patterson uh, had even mentioned, was that... Uh, in, in the books where you can easily house rule stuff. If something doesn't work or you don't like a particular mechanic, uh, you can you can change it. House rule it. Okay. So we talked about that. Now we talked to, you know, this... Uh, what I'm really trying to say is I highly recommend Micro Sci-Fi RPG because it's really, really simple uh, and really easy to play. If you want to, if you want to keep it just the main slog of a dungeon crawler you can do that or if you want to create a narrative experience along with uh, some conflict you can do that too easy stuff okay so i'm going to close this out today with uh, just a quick example of how to use une 
Now, uh, in Une, uh, there is a section where you can create an NPC from scratch. Uh, you can have a modifier and a noun for an NPC. So for instance, let's do that real quick. Let's just create an NPC. So let's see, 44. So on a roll of 44, we have inexperienced as an NPC modifier. So inexperienced what? So let's go to the NPC now, which is 73. So going to 73, that is, we can roll for something else. I'm trying to keep it for sci-fi. Uh, not, not exactly like in that roll, so 88. All right, so another 88. Let's see, a professor. Okay, so inexperienced professor. Easy enough. Okay, so we have an inexperienced professor. Uh, we can roll on the NPC power level to see, you know, based on the level one, one, one to five, and on a D100, you could see if they're stronger than you or not, or if they're comparable to you. If uh, you know, there's a real basis for doing charisma, or maybe you're going to be uh, fighting this NPC, kind of gauge, are they more powerful than you or not? All right, so then uh, you can have next table is uh, for the NPC conversation mood. So it's going from love, friendly, peaceful, neutral, distrustful, hostile to hated. Now for this one, you kind of have to, again, with the context, if you're going into a gang boss and you've defeated a lot of their, uh, their henchmen, their underlings, and now you get to them and you want to talk to them, well, it's probably going to be hostile or even up down to hated. So you could like roll on that one to kind of see what the conversation mood is going to be like. So let's say we're talking to this gang boss and we've defeated all their henchmen. Now they have nothing. So they probably, probably hate the, the PC. So under hated, we'll roll 48. So 48, uh, that would be under cautious. So the conversation mood is... They're cautious. They hate you, but they're also real cautious because you defeated all those people, probably. So then we have a bearing. So what's the conversation bearing? So on a roll of 57, we have uh, inquisitive. So maybe they have some questions like, why are you talking to me now? You know, you defeated all, all my henchmen and you stopped to talk to me. You know, maybe, maybe they have some questions about that. So under inquisitive, we have another D100 roll. So on that, we have 15. So under 15, there is investigation. So that's the NPC bearing. Uh, they're wanting to investigate maybe you, why you're there, or something else. Again, they're cautious and they hate you. So, but they are gonna try to ask you a question, investigate a little bit. So then what's the focus of the conversation? So based on all these things, 72. So 72 is... A recent scene. So we could even use the idea of the animal trader. Maybe that's who we're talking to. Animal trader. Uh, we're disrupting their technological advances, their their research. Uh, they hate us. They're cautious about talking to us. They're really trying to figure out why we're there, and they want to talk about the recent scene. So what could the recent scene be? Now again, each time you play, you set up a scene talk about that much later it's already getting quite long so a recent scene that recent scene could be you just defeated all their henchmen so now they're kind of wanting to ask you about why you're in there causing a ruckus now again they hate you they're cautious 
but they want to investigate what's going on here. And based on, you know, or maybe the NPC, maybe not the animal trainer, because we're talking about an inexperienced professor. Okay, inexperienced professor, same, same scenario. There you go. You can already start to come up with an idea of how the conversation is going. You enter in, you want to talk to them, but they say something first. They want to ask you why you're there. What's, why are you causing a ruckus? And you could respond with uh, a lie, why you're there, you know, maybe it's for money, or maybe you want to tell the truth. I was sent here by the settlement. They lost contact with this facility and they're wondering why No, they haven't heard a word from you and you can already start to figure out why they haven't heard anything from this research facility. And the conversation can continue from there. And you can still use the Game Master's Apprentice to kind of facilitate the continual conversation because you have the bearing, they want to investigate what's going on, and they want to focus on, you know, why you're demolishing their creation, their animals, the larva, the larva that, that has popped out. So you can even, with, um, with that, uh, with, if you want to see how they react to that, you can use the same things to figure out what they talk about next, or you could use the Game Master's Assistant, keeping that bearing, that investigation, that inquisitive mind that this professor has, this inexperienced professor has. So you can even draw something like Underling Discover. Underling Discover. Who knows? It could be they want to talk about or cry about their lost uh, animals that they've worked so hard to research and develop, maybe to help the settlement with their cattle. I don't know. I don't know. It's just all it's just all up to you. All up to you. So, with that, you have uh, my review on uh, micro RPG. I really like it. It's really simple. It's really quick. And if you want to get a little deeper into it, you can. Uh, and if you want to get deeper into it, I've just given you quite a few different examples on how you can do just that with different supplements. And again, don't go too crazy about the supplements because you don't want to get bogged down and try to figure out where you want to go to find the thing that you're looking for. So keep it simple. And then you could have a, a great time. You can come up with such a great story like even now we just had a couple examples of different adventure ideas just through a couple of card draws. Easy. So with that, uh, thanks for listening. And you know, maybe next time we'll get a little bit deeper into the other supplements and how to use them. Or even uh, a whole episode on just creating a completely new adventure the way that uh, the Game Master's Apprentice uh, guide does. So you can see how, how that thought process works. But until then... I'll catch you later. This is Call Sign Scooter, and I am signing off.